Good afternoon everyone, how are you guys doing? What's going on? Welcome to episode 18 of Merchants of Novigrad, a biography podcast where we discuss everything Gwent. Today with me, my partner in crime, Hesser Tavern, and as you guys can see, we have a very special guest, one of the original content creators for Gwent, and a great analyst, King Blacktooth. How are you doing guys? What's going on? Uh, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine, thank you very much. Just a bit nervous, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm doing great as well. Thanks, man. Before we actually get into it, a couple of words um, to our audience. If you would like to stay in touch also off-stream, you can find us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. Um, and if you have any questions right now, or if you have any questions during the show, you can ask them in chat. Hesser has been charged with the task of collecting the more interesting ones, and mm -hmm. we are going to try to answer them as we go. Also, um, if you can't stay with us today, this episode is going to be uploaded on our YouTube channel, our Spotify channel, and a couple of other platforms, either tonight or tomorrow. So keep an eye out on our social media. And with that being said, I think we can go into the first segment of this episode, which is, as always, what have you been up to? And I think we can start with a very simple question. KBT, uh, not every uh, player these days know you, so uh, can you maybe introduce yourself? Well, not everyone knowing me is probably for the best. Um, hi, I'm King Blacktooth, and I used to play Gwen when it first came out. And even before that, with uh, The Witcher 3, printed them out and played it with my friends so i've been in the gwent scene for a long time i recently took a break and i am back so i'm enjoying it is that good enough that that, that was definitely good <laughs> yeah, enough that's perfect <laughs> so moving yeah. on yeah and you've been you've been streaming and making videos again and uh how's gwen been treating you since your return oh well um the community in general, has been great. Um, Gwent itself is a lot more fun, I feel, than it, it was uh, when I left. I'm in my new place now, as you can see, so I have a little bit more time. I don't have to share it with my brother. Um, I have more time to create content and, and do passion projects. So, so far, it's been treating me quite well. I've been enjoying it. I, I struggle to make unique decks myself, though. Um, I feel like I came in towards the end of a long meta. And most things have been explored already, so I'm waiting till the next time to have a bit of exploration. And that next time is not too far away. Only ten more, ten more days, guys. Yeah, it's ten more days, yeah, and yeah, we get the expansion. But uh, getting back to the topic of you creating content again, mm. um, how are the adventures on the Chinese client? Um, I'm starting to recognize some things. So do I have to? explain what is going on here for people yeah I, I think not a lot of people know um <clears throat> what happened to your client or what um you were trying to do so explain it might be a good idea right so basically i'm always looking for things to you know engage people fun things i did some art competitions once you know and uh and loads of modding and stuff and so one thing that has always interested me that has been that i think a lot of people know and have seen some things about, which is Chinese Gwent client censorship um, on their card art. So the Chinese client censor a lot of card arts um, in multiple ways. And I've seen, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the Foglet in the past, 
Like I think everyone knows the foglet and they know about vests having like a oh yeah obviously. no cleavage yeah 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 <laughs> everyone knows those but there's tons more and I really just wanted to look at them so I wormed my way into downloading the Chinese client uh, and installed it and so I had access to all of the uh, censored art but with you know great rewards become <laughs> a lot of punishments I am 100% legitimately stuck in the Chinese client. Um, I cannot get out of it. It's region locked my other one. So I am playing currently in the Chinese client and I can't read what cards do. So I have to know what they do. And um, I, I understand some words now like warrior and stuff because I play a lot of Queen's Guard. It means that I, I struggle to make new decks as well because, yeah, everything's in Chinese and I can't seem to get out of that. So there you go. Don't do it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you, do you think you can you can get back on the international client? Uh, have you have you tried contacting CDPR already? Um, I contacted GOG. I, I think it's more of a GOG issue. My GOG account has been flagged. I feel for Chinese because um, when I installed it on my phone and then logged into that particular GOG account, it's still region locked. So if I log into an Alter account, you know, for my beginner series, I do have. Alt GOG accounts, guys. I've never denied that. Um, that can log in and play just fine. So it's it's specifically the GOG account. Now, the main reason I wanted to go onto it was to see the Chinese censorship. And uh, I want to make videos. So I made a video of it. So there are some Chinese censorship videos going up onto my YouTube soon. And one already, actually. And hopefully that will be worth it. But I don't think I'm going to be able to get out of it. I've talked to people and... People are ruining my hopes and dreams. I hope I can get it back, but I don't know. Every day that goes by is, you know, percentage going down, I think. Yeah, because I think it's been a while. It's been at least, what, a couple of weeks now? Um, I think it's probably been about one week since I contacted GOG. Uh, but with the COVID stuff, they say they expect up to two weeks before they can get back to me. So I don't so want to bother there is still hope. anything. There so. is still hope. Yeah, you know. And um, speaking of things that did not go as intended, Hesser, your drunk stream, I think I think you were not entirely pleased with uh, with how it went. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that was the second time I was doing the drunk stream. The first one was when I was playing the cursed game Hearthstone, and it didn't go well as well. But right now, you know, the thing is that people are not that entertained by watching just a person getting shit-faced and i think i'm not gonna do that again that was a pretty bad experience to be honest yeah sounds think... like a fair evaluation <laughs> yeah i think you've got a you know the further a person falls the better it is for viewers i think so <laughs> if yeah. you're massively popular and then you you do something stupid people love it <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so that, maybe, maybe that's, that's how humanity better. works i think Mm. <laughs> People love a downfall. <laughs> Absolutely, but um, let's let's change topic to something more positive. Um, Esser, you are gonna uh, translate again during open number two. So how is the prep going? Yeah, well, so we have like three uh, players that need translations. So we have two players from Russia and one from China. Uh, the the Chinese one is Wang ID, so actually most of the players. And the community is familiar with that guy. 
Uh, he unfortunately lost in the last open in the first round, so uh, he's hoping for a better, um, better um, performance this time. And when speaking of the Russian guys, they are pretty new as well, so we can imagine that they want to, you know, show off some skill. Mm, so I've been, yeah, I've been talking to them since the the open was um, announced and. And it's going well. It's going well. We just got some nice communication. We are we are gonna record some interviews pretty soon. So hopefully it's gonna do well. No Nick this time. Yeah, unfortunately. He didn't unfortunately. qualify. Yeah, he but didn't he qualify. is actually in some sort of trouble on Twitch, is what I heard. Exactly, and we have actually a question on on chat right now. What happened to Nick? I've heard he got banned on Twitch or something. That's that's right. Actually, he got banned for for his nickname. For his nickname, apparently, Twitch flagged that as a, the insulting word or the word that is similar yeah, the to the insulting word. Yeah, the N word. And apparently, he's got no response from Twitch. He's still like in uh, in the limbo there, waiting for the answer. So he just, yeah, he just has to say his name's Nick underscore R. Fixes <laughs> <is> everything. <laughs> He just he even sent him uh, the passport, the copy of his passport, and still no no reply whatsoever. That sounds truly unfair on his part. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, because part. they they actually banned a guy for apparently having an insulting slash inappropriate nickname in English, while he actually doesn't speak English. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, I suppose that's true. Uh, but yeah, anyway, there's a lot uh, going on within the Quinn community. Not only the upcoming Open, but also the um, expansion. Yeah! Master Mirror, so I think it's it's a good moment to switch to the next segment, which is what's happening in Gwen, and there is a lot of things to cover. So, uh, the first question is gonna be very general. We have a week and a half left. Are you guys excited? Of course, uh, man. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I'm taking it day by day. I mean, I think my excitement is growing. Yeah, I want to see what it is. Yeah, I think I think everyone is uh, at least a little bit excited. Mm. Th there was a moment uh, uh, when when they announced the the countdown, right? And everyone's like, "Oh God, we are getting an expansion expansion just like that." Remember the same yeah. way it happened um, yeah. during Merges of Fear that they they just dropped an expansion out of nowhere, but but this time it seems it's it's marketing done right. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of reveals. Oh yeah, the community reveals, um, everything around that. Well done this time. Well done. I prefer that to like you know some unexpected drops, to be honest, and hopefully also mm. some internal testing, doing right. <laughs> we actually have a question about that later on as well. Mm. Oh, but yeah. moving on. Yeah, like uh, we've seen like multiple evolving cards already, right? So, uh, what's your take on this new card type, KBT? Um, I I I was hoping for something a little bit more. I think. I mean, I I do like that. I love the lore on them. That's probably the most fantastic thing I've seen, where you can see characters you haven't seen, like Harold and Oberon and things like that. So you see characters evolve and how how that happened. I love the lore aspect. The cards themselves are a little um, all too similar in my opinion, and I don't feel like they're excited enough. Um, like I, I was hoping they would produce something where you have to work to get the the, the evolve, you know. So yeah. if you kill one person, it evolves once. If you 
if you boost 15 like kind of imagine like a journey quest but in the middle of a game oh yeah you know so boost five units and then it'll evolve and then it gives you a random another task to do and if you can do that it evolves again the issue is balance i mean my idea is not foolproof but i was hoping for something a bit more interesting than just hold it in your hand and a lot of the times we see round one or don't ever use it round one guys you know you probably don't want to use it round two and so they all just seem to be seem to be just hold it in your hand or deck um, mm -hmm. i think i think yeah. it's the maybe maybe not the only but the major point of criticism when it comes to uh the evolving cards they are very similar and and you see those threads on reddit um popping out every day where people uh, are saying oh i can predict what the nr card is going to be mm -hmm. it's gonna be six power 11 provision and stage yeah. one is gonna do this stage two is gonna do this stage three is gonna yeah. be a veiled and it's gonna do that and it's gonna be an engine how excited and surprised are you guys exactly so um yeah i think i think it's a valid point of criticism actually mm. I yeah they are very very similar go ahead yeah, I think I think we can actually uh, move on to the next question because uh, there is not really that much we can talk about tell about that. Like they they all do a very similar thing. True, except right, except except actually, you know what? I could I could bring up the um the old concept of unga. Unga. KBT KBT <laughs> probably remembers that. I don't. What you want about? You <laughs> so Unga was a concept in Beta um, that basically said that every faction okay. has a set of very similar cards that do almost exactly the same thing. Like you know, perform an action boost by one, uh, or perform an action damage by one. A lot of factions had cards that were doing exactly the same thing. Like play, play like Nilfgaard had cards that. Um, relied on, on playing Spice, and then, you know, uh, Skellige had something else, and then uh, um, Squirtle had cards that relied on movement, and they were all doing exactly the same thing. Like, damage by one, or, 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 or boost by one. Okay, carry so, on. I, so, I've never heard the term Unga. So, so basically, the evolving cards are kind of Unga as well. Oh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Unga, Unga, Unga. I think I get you. Uh, yeah, that's true, they are. Um, I thought they were trying to, like, this is going back a long way, but didn't CD Projekt Red said they were trying to move away from, like, hard-defined archetypes and stuff? Yeah, I think, I think they did say that uh, either shortly before or right after the Homecoming launch. Mm. Then um, I don't think it's what players actually expected. Players wanted to see more archetypes fleshed out archetypes synergies mm. and 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 you know um different playstyles rather than only mid-range so uh it wouldn't be the only thing that they are slowly bringing back from from beta yeah they've been bringing a lot of stuff back and they're doing a good job at fleshing out archetypes i think um recently i mean i might if i'm treading on a different topic let me know but like bringing back the wild hunt recently that we saw I love it that they, they changed Frost and Fog around. That's took them a long time, but it works well with Dominance. I love the thematicness of that. <laughs> they brought Veteran back, but I think it's a bit bland. You know, they're scared. Yeah. I, I'm worried that they're scared to put Veteran on anything. Like if you had a card that can give another card Veteran, it could be dangerous. And I think they're scared to do that, but that would be the interesting use of Veteran. 
Yeah, like we, give it to Roach or Crow Mother or something like that. But yeah, we actually do have a question about that later on. Ah. So uh, yeah. moving back to the reveal campaign. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, like we are in the middle of the reveal campaign, you could say, or like slowly closing it because we are after the like the mid reveal uh, dev stream. And are we actually happy with what we've seen so far? Like speaking of the wild hunt, for example, for veterans. <laughs> Well, they I don't say. know if you know, but they revealed the Wild Hunt recently, and I really like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thematically, of course. I don't know if you also know, they changed Frost and Fog. Um, <laughs> I think there, there's half that I do like and half that I don't. Um, it's not I dis don't dislike it, but some of them are like, eh, okay. Um, I think you have to get past the fact that a lot of them are similar. There's only like... I think two really interesting cards, like really interesting cards that could be experimented with. Um, I think one's the ethereal, which is that old geared nightmare thing. Mm -hmm. That's like an interesting card that oh, I want to put it in my deck and see how I can duplicate these loads and stuff. And the other one is like Eridin that we saw recently. Yeah. Um, all the rest obviously have their place and you know, they're either going to be good or they're going to be average. You know, it's just, build a deck with it. Nothing too exciting in terms of, right, I got this card and what can I do with it? And there's some really interesting applications of it, you know? Yeah, but I have to say I really like the process because um, normally they would reveal cards on a random basis. Right? Mm. One day you would get some Skeletal cards, the other day you would get some Novgorod cards and it would be really hard for, for people to actually imagine how the new archetypes or the strengthened archetypes are going to look like. So now they are doing it faction by faction, and I think um, it's, it's a much better way of showcasing the upcoming expansion. I definitely agree. Absolutely, 100%. It seemed like Nilfgaard took ages, and then <laughs> Syndicate and Monsters and all just came out really quickly. Yeah. One thing I would say in regards to that, I agree with you, but the one negative is that they shouldn't have started with Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard is the controlly faction, and I really feel like that's put a dampener on other reveals. Like, Northern Realms has taken a long time to come out. And we're already kind of like, okay, but is that going to get stolen now from Amnesty? Is that going to get locked by this, you know? I think Nilfgaard should have gone last. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, just, just so to that... ruin the fun right yeah. before the expansion and not <laughs> the beginning well, okay, of the campaign. Not, I suppose. <laughs> But yeah, I, I agree with that. Of course, uh, as, as somebody who basically only plays Nilfgaard, I did enjoy the reveals, and I did enjoy the fact that they decided uh, to reveal Nilfgaard early on, but I agree with that point. Because mm. every single time a strong Nilfgaard card would reveal Amnesty, like you said, um, people were just going nuts. Like, oh shit, so doesn't matter what we get, everything is going to be compared to Amnesty and how it fares against it. <laughs> but maybe that's that's a good thing maybe in a way i mean when the question is you know they seem to change a lot of things yeah um, quite quickly uh yeah, anyway they, they said they said they're gonna change uh some of the cards some of the existing cards as well right so yeah oh yeah absolutely but um before we talk about that i would um i would I'd like to talk a, more, talk a little bit more about strengthening the archetypes because you, if you guys haven't noticed, KBT has already mentioned Wild, Wild Hunt and the rework <laughs> of Frost and Fog. Uh, but it's not the only archetype um, that is being strengthened this patch. 
I'm really excited to see Spies back. Okay. Tell us more about that. Why is that? Uh, why is that? Uh, it's one of the archetypes that I really enjoyed back in the beta. And uh, many, of, many of the cards that we are getting now are actually coming straight from the beta. I'm not sure mm. if, if, if new players realize that, but cards like Angry Mob or Seditious Aristocrats are actually cards that used to exist in the game under a different name. So basically, Angry Mob is the old um, Nausicaa Brigade, I think. Yeah, you know, you know the the old play play Joachim into into Nozaka Brigade, mm. hit Joachim and then boost self. I think that 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 was one of the most common Nilfgaard spice finishers back in the day. So this is aristocrats are are Impera Brigade. They do exactly yeah. the same thing. So yeah, you're right. There's a, I mean, I I agree. Spies. I mean, I'm. Although it looks like it, I'm not a massive Nilfgaard fan in Gwent. I love I love this guy, um, but I'm wondering like because a lot of factions and a lot of decks they do plus one boost when something happens. Do you not feel that the spies is just another one of those? In a way, it is. Yeah, yeah. But um, the question is, what more can they do to prevent? You know, printing cards that do exactly the same thing. Mm. For, for for example, the the one one thing that I like about um, Seditious Aristocrats is the card is also uh, retroactive. It gives you a lot of flexibility. So uh, if you look at cards that exist now, they are either engines or mid range. Like you either play them after the board has been set up, or you play them early on to um, max their value. And Seditious Aristocrats can be played at any given moment in the round. So that it is already slightly different than, than what we've seen so far. I mean, that's true. I mean, they, they used to have Devotion. They took that off. Um, but I agree with that. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, we're seeing quite a few cards which are engines, but not necessarily all the time. Now, aren't we? We just had two reveals the other day with engines that are not always engine if you don't want them to be. Yeah, and, and I think I think it slightly changes how the game is going to be played. But there's a good question that Hesse already brought up, and that's the existing cards in regards to what we've seen so far. Yeah, it's like they will rework probably some of the existing cards, and they said that they want them to synergize with the new old archetypes and uh, what do you think about that kbt is it possible to do it smoothly or are we like facing another uh, balancing patches after after um, the expansion well i have the strange feeling that it's just talking about uh small things like for example mm -hmm. the best example is uh the firesworn zealots the firesworn footman now you know cards that only affected the zealots will now affect the footman as well yeah. Um, I think there there, are, there should be some other small cards which change a little bit. There are cards which are completely useless. Now we're getting weather back. We might need cards that can do something a bit more impressive against it or with it. Um, I don't think they're going to go crazy with it personally. You know, changing old cards. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be large scale, but there are cards that need to be changed because otherwise they're going to be completely useless. Like, for, for example, uh, and, and, and that's um, the two cards that I always bring up in this discussion is uh, Imperial Enforcers and Rainfarn. They specifically say you have to play a spying card. And some of the new cards, like Usurper, they don't play them. They spawn them. Right. So now the question is, are they going to rework cards like that to actually synergize with the new uh, content? Or are they going to say, well, you can divide spies into two different playstyles and which one you choose is up to you? I think they'd be silly to not change them. You don't want to dilute the pool, you know? You might as well change them so it's whenever... Because now they're changing it from... Spying is now a status. So they would just say any time a, a card gains spying. You know, that doesn't matter whether it's uh, spawned or played then, because it gets the status after it appears. Yeah, there's actually a lot of confusion yeah. among, among the players about the, uh, how they're going to treat statuses and, and keywords, because... Uh, we, we have Disloyal, we have, we have Spying, there's a lot of cards that spawn or, or that create, and, and I always uh, bring up the example of, of the journey, because uh, we, have, we have the journey quest, right? And, and the quest says one thing, and then you do exactly what it says, and it doesn't trigger. Mm. A, a good example of that is, is the last, one of the last quests, where it said play, uh, play 15 units with uh, 15 cards with the summon keyword and none of the syndicate cards actually work like a lot of them just have the keyword right like you can spend the coin and, and summon something like spawn and summon it clearly mm. says summon but it doesn't work with the quest <laughs> oh, i didn't know that i haven't got to that one yet yeah it's 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 something that i noticed a lot um during during the journey so i think that them trying to split things into keyword and statuses uh is like a way of of of, uh, of of clearing things up a little bit because everyone's confused about what is what now. It needed to be done. Yeah, and you know, at, but on the other hand, we have things like Veil, and Veil is basically how they put it: a status that prevents other statuses. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, do, do we <laughs> actually do we actually need it? I know that. Um, a lot of people are very negative about poison, and they think it's a clear counter to poison. But do we need veil? Um, there's not many cards that apply veil to things that you care about. You know, you know what I mean. There's one, right? Is it Marlene? Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't think of any others. Like you get veil on a couple of things, like the evolving cards have veil on their final form, and that could be useful because otherwise they'd just be trash. You know, especially <laughs> if they boost themselves like Usurper does. You just get rid of him. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, but, but... I do think it is necessary. Well, the, the question is, okay, you um, you give the cards like Usurper Veil in order to protect it in a way. But on the yeah. other hand, Veil is a status, so if you play in a mirror match, you are just setting up somebody's Vincent. Oof. <laughs> Big <laughs> oof. Yeah, yeah, right. And and on the other hand, you know, cards like like Geralt of Rivia or cards like the uh, Heart could see a comeback. Do you think Vincent's going to change? No. No. I don't think so. He's a bit broad, though, isn't he? I guess it doesn't matter because 
the value would be similar, but you don't yeah. have to really put any effort into him, I find. That and is for a powerful true. effect, like, like Geralt, you have to have, I guess, uh, there doesn't seem to be any risk with Vincent, because everything has a status nowadays, whether it's just doomed or, you know. Yeah, but you have to remember, he's 11 provisions, so you need to find a target that's six or more to break even. Of course, if, if somebody's... Is that hard? Well, if somebody's playing Defender, it is not. Unless unless it's um, Syndicate, of course. You're mm. not going to play Vincent on one of the bogs. Fair enough. But yeah, you don't um, you're not going to break even on Skoyatel uh, Defender either. You're going to be one short. Mm. And, and giving cards a veil is basically saying, okay, we are trying to... Uh, counter poison while in fact you are specifically boosting one of the cards that is being in poison decks yeah i mean i think you just have to deal with it you know every every deck's got something that can kill things in a oh, yeah, absolutely. way so i sometimes it's rage like, about it's that okay. <laughs> it's I, okay I, re I remember when 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 um Skellige or monsters didn't have too many control options and now they do yeah. Uh, but one thing that I, I want to talk about in regards to this um, expansion is, and I once again, I, I heard people talking about that even today, is the power creep. It, because people look at cars and they see things like, oh, this is basically 8 for 5, or this is 7 for 4. And, you know, I, I remember cards, be, cards being regarded as decent or good when they were being 5 for 4. Mm, yeah. So, uh, so do you think that uh, this expansion is a sign of, you know, increasing power power creep? Um. Well, it's it's obvious that it is. I think. Um, but I, I will talk about this later because there's a question later coming up. But in like they shrunk the the ceiling, didn't they, on points from closed beta or open beta to homecoming they decided to squash all the numbers yeah which meant that balancing is harder because one point means more um and they're going to limit themselves on how much they can balance cards and this one point because six for four and seven for four means a lot more it seems inevitable that we are going to get higher you know and some cards will be left behind Absolutely. Which they already are anyway, so... Yeah, yeah I, I think that old cards being left behind is not really that bad, because every every CCG needs to have bad cards, right? Because yeah, they call a, it, like, beginner development or something, don't they? Yeah, yeah, be mm. because it's it's mostly about new players. We give them the sense of pride and, and accomplishment when when they expand their, exp their, their collection. But what what is really worrying me is... Even if when we look at fairly recent expansions, there are still cards that are four for four essentially. Well, we saw one today that's four for four. Uh, not today, the other day, Lonely Champion. But it's about flexibility. If you got a four for four, you want to have something good about it in some other way. Are you saying there's four for fours and that's it, like trash? Uh, there is a card that's basically. Uh, I think it's the Art Fiend Light Cavalry. No, it's it's one of the Art Fiend cards. It, it's 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 two power and deals two damage if the unit has armor 
replayed the um, the um, deployability. So yeah, most of cards have two armor, so it, it's still four for four in terms of points. Mm. And I, I haven't seen anyone, and I mean anyone, playing that card in the last... Um, it, I think it was deployed during uh, Iron Judgment, so yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone playing the card ever. It's four provisions, it's four for four. Removing that armor doesn't really matter quite often, so... If you have a card like that, I feel it needs to sit into a niche that that, it, it, that has no gap. So, for example, if we took Skellige, make it synergize with Raid or make it synergize with something which doesn't have... You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like if you've got a bad card, it should synergize somewhere that has... There's a gap. You don't try and stuff it into Warrior when they've already got some good Warriors. Um, it seems like they would... It'd be nice if they rebalanced some of those, but I, I don't know if it's the right opinion to expect every card to be good. No. Like, other card games don't. But we don't. I don't talk about other card games like Magic: The Gathering or Hearthstone. Yeah. Hearthstone. Yeah, especially um, considering that the um, number of available cards is growing every expansion. It so used it, to be it, an issue. Yeah, it used That's to probably be probably why, you know, we wanted every card to be good. Exactly. But we're getting more cards now. Uh, yeah, and and not only we are getting new cards, but we are actually getting um, old artwork and old lore back. Yes. And that is another question. What are your thoughts on, on leaders slowly coming back? Because um, when we had Jason on the show, he said, maybe towards the end of the year or, or at some point next year, we would like to bring the old leader art back in some form. Mm. And they are doing that already. Everything is back. That's true. I love Everything. <laughs> great artwork. The, um, if I may take the spotlight for a second. Um... The artwork on the leaders is undoubtedly amazing. Can we agree? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's a lot of artwork in the game, which is also amazing. Can we agree with that? Yeah. So I think if I'm taking like a cynical view, bringing back the old leaders is basically just nostalgia for people, you know, um, which I, I think is great. I love the nostalgia. The artwork is comparable to art we've already got, but it is still amazing. And it's nice to see some of your favorite characters. Um, Eredin. I don't know if Dagon's coming back. I hope he does. I kind of <laughs> hope he doesn't come back in this, uh, in this expansion, though, because it's not really about him. I want it to be about him. You know, we're getting Wild Hunt. But um, it is nice to see the old ones. I think for that reason, we might see Radovid soon because they've got two artworks for him that they're not using yet. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I think uh, Radovid is one of the cards that people predict is going to be the NR evolving card. Mm. Oh yeah, that's really possible. Hey, sir, what's 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 your opinion on on the returning leaders? Because we not oh, only I... get them in the form of old art, we also get them in the form of new art. Um, Usurper, for instance. Um, oh yeah. And we already know. I think I, th I think it's not any kind of uh, conspiracy or whatsoever. Everyone saw Emir slash Dooney slash Urchin of Erlenwald in the trailer. So people know that Emir is coming back in one form or another. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the other thing is that a lot of people are familiar with these characters because they are really known in the Witcher world, right? So what they are implementing with the new expansions, obviously, 
the ideas from the books, for example, are gonna finish at some point, right? So uh, re reinventing and like reintroducing the old characters is is great. I mean, it, this is great for the game as well because why do you like play a certain card game, for example? It's not only about the mechanics; it's also about the world around it, right? The lore. So when something, when somebody sees, for example, a character he knows from the books or from the TV series, rip, I know you don't like it, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, they are just going to play it, right? They're just going to try it out. So if they see like Radovid, for instance, or, or uh, Eridan, it's, it's a good marketing move as well. And another thing is that um, there's something cool happening on the Chinese website as well, speaking of China. Uh, they're, they are actually uh, doing the lore, uh, the special lore section on the website for the Chinese uh, players um, to like introduce all the characters. We don't have something like that on the on the English version of the website. That's that's actually interesting. It's only for the Chinese one. Oh, I didn't know that. They should totally do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really great. I always like the idea that when you get the premium, you might be able to get some like lore about the character in some yeah. form, you know? Something to do while you're just waiting for the opponent to play. Oh yeah, the, 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 the same way we got a little bit of lore on the... Um, journey. Yeah, not only Journey, but oh, also yeah. the trees. Like Every, every single time you unlock uh, like yeah. a certain point yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the tree, you get a little bit of lore. And I would imagine you just like right-click the card and it turns it over with some lore on it or something. Yeah, that would be, be really nice. I'd love that. And yeah. you know, I, I know that some people could say that, uh, okay, what, what has there also already mentioned it. We are slowly running out of characters from the books, but CDPR have been fairly successful at creating their own lore. If you look at Syndicate, based uh, until this expansion, the vast majority of it is basically CDPR. Like if, if you look at characters in, in, in the faction, or when, when the faction drops um, uh, specifically, how many, how many uh, cards came from the books? DJ, who in the books that had nothing to do with Syndicate whatsoever, and 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 Hemo and, and Hemofired, who doesn't really appear in the books, and that's it. Mm. And Philippa, but then again, not she had nothing to do with uh, with uh, with the uh, Syndicate. They basically used the piece of lore from The Witcher Three to kind of make her a faction card. Hmm. I mean, one of the most things that I like. I was hoping the monsters would be Crone Mother, you know, the Whispering Hillock Woman. Um, I like, like I said, the fact that they're luring these cards. They're, they're giving us backstory to cards we weren't aware of, like Harold the Cripple and the Usurper. You know, whether, I don't know if I like the Gaunter being responsible for a lot of it, because it's a bit like they need <laughs> to make their own decisions. But I really like the lore aspect. And they're doing a great job of it, I think. You know, expanding. They're not just trying to... They're not playing it safe and keeping within their own little thing, worried to expand on characters. They are expanding the backstory and the future and stuff, you know? But I thought Hesse's um, explanation there was really good. It um, changed my mind. <laughs> but you actually raised a good point about um, Gonter being, being the scapegoat here, like yeah or, or being the mastermind behind behind every evolving card but i i don't think he appears in any form or shape on the monster card i i haven't seen him there no i don't think so i think eridan might be in the background yeah. but yeah. cd project red did state that um 
Gaunter's not involved in everything. You know, he's not involved in Howard the Cripple. So he probably won't be involved on the monster one. So that raises the point on whether they're taking uh, Jaxter Alderberg and the Usurper as canon or whether it's just like a what if type of thing, you know? Yeah, the, the truth be told, we, from the lore perspective, we don't know anything about Usurper because that was the whole point of him yeah. being called Usurper, right? Like, Emir yeah. made sure that nobody will ever say his name and nobody will ever know who he was beforehand. Mm. <laughs> so, so in, in, in that regard, CDPR had a free reign so they could absolutely reinvent the story. I mean, what, yeah. what is your opinion on that Gaunter was involved? <sighs> it, it's a tough one, but because on, on one hand, I do like it. But on the yeah, other I hand, mean, as somebody agree. who read the books, I feel like there is many events that were triggered by a very um, specific situation that were properly explained in the books. And now yeah. they are somewhat dumbing it down to some yeah. shady dude whispered to somebody's <laughs> ear and things happened. Yeah. I mean, it's... you could take it as metaphorical, right? Yeah. Going to being like the devil. It's just, if he's not there, but he's still influencing like the guys, you know, just consider it like the bad side of anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually a good explanation. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> nice knowledge, KBT. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Uh, sorry. <laughs> it was going to come out eventually. Yeah, eventually, yeah, it, it would come out. Uh, moving but on, I think guys. that's confirmed your old account of mine, then. <laughs> I might be. You guys never know. But moving on. Yes. Yeah, moving on. So, uh, there are a lot of new players, obviously. And... Uh, Gwent is not like so generous anymore, and there are a lot of people like planning what they're gonna spend their scraps, for example, or on, and they want to, for example, build only one faction or two factions, and that's actually one of the brings up one of the questions like, what do you think would be the greatest faction to invest in right now after the new expansion? Like, if you if you had Oof. to tell like which cards should people craft? Um. Right, and that's a pretty cool question. I I love that Monsters is getting the weather. I don't think that's worth investing in at all. So Monsters <laughs> is at the bottom. Um, I think it's going to have to still be Nilfgaard. Uh, or maybe Scoia'tael. I don't think Scoia'tael has ever had a bad meta. Am I wrong? I'm yeah. trying to think back as so far as I can. They had card advantage in closed beta. They had like traps, which were really annoying. They just seem to have everything all the time. So Scoia'tael is a good bet. Nilfgaard is an easy bet because we saw some powerful cards there. Um, I feel like the existing decks that we have will still be very powerful. So you might as, you know, if you're going to have a new player, go for those two. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Oh, Don't yeah. go Northern Realms. Especially yeah, since um, the new Scoia'tael um, is known as the faction that's fairly easy to play. I'm not saying that it's easy to master, but um, if you are a new player and if you want to climb and if you want to learn the game, Harmony is your is your best bet, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's like, uh, for example, Wong ID mentioned that in the uh, open, pre-open interviews that Harmony is actually a really refined um, 
mechanics you know you can easily get used to this mechanic you don't have to learn it well it's like you're just dropping the bronzes in the first round getting as much as you can and then just you're using your golds right so basically it's pretty easy i guess the question is uh, do you think harmony is going to be supplemented by the symbiosis do you think it's going to incorporate hmm. well to it or do you think it's just going to be like uh, it didn't make as much of an impact or it's going to be its own deck yeah, that's a good mm. question. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that it, it's like early, really early to say, but I think that probably what they want is just to create another archetype for, mm. for Skyatel. I don't feel like this is a supplement for for the harmony. Yeah, or Are we actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah, or maybe not a supplement, but more like um, a different way to oh. approach harmony. Yeah. Mm. We haven't seen the Squirtail reveals yet, have we? A couple. Yeah, but we haven't seen their evolving card in the main. No, right and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, I think it's going to be the last one because uh, tomorrow, uh, or I mean Monday, they are reviewing the NR one. Um, Jason actually posted a poll. Yeah. I think those polls might give a little clue, right? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Hmm, they absolutely that. do. And and I think when when it comes to NR, people are mostly saying, "Oh, it's gonna be rid of it, easy, <laughs> rid of it." Yeah, mm. they've got a lot of Meve uh, art that's unused, yeah. so that could be. Yeah, but I think I don't know if her story is. She's she's one of the options in the poll because it's rid of it, Meve. It's um one option is somehow intriguing. It's the it's about the small kingdom of Karak. Mm-hmm. We don't know a lot about it. I think I think that place was only featured in um, Season of Storms, in one of the stories where Geralt happily spent some time with with Coral, and that, that that's the only thing we know about that place. I think the Dandelion has 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 some family in there. <laughs> they do seem to go for ones that we wouldn't expect or that there's not much about. Yeah, her herald was definitely a surprise. Yeah, because everyone. That was... means. Yeah, go on. Does that mean um, he got his wound by fighting a bear, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's yeah. it. It could be yeah. a foul blood bear, but I, I, there's no evidence. <laughs> so it's a a bit unusual, but sure. Yeah, so so it's interesting approach. Uh, I think that three options are always somehow realistic when it comes to the polls. And one is just yeah. completely off. Yeah. And I think not many people voted for uh, hunting unicorns. People thought it, it doesn't have anything to do with monsters. Because obviously if you didn't read the, bo didn't read the books or... Yeah, I, I think books are the only source of, of, of stories about the unicorns and the Witcher, the Witcher <laughs> universe. So if you didn't read uh, the novels, you, you know nothing about the whole war between the NL and, and, and the unicorns, so we would thought, this is crazy, like, why would, why would we see something about hunting unicorns? No way. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't read those books, I've only read two, the short story books. They are great. I, mm. I, I think that objectively a lot of people would say that the short stories are actually better than, than the saga, the, the, the five books uh, afterwards. Um, anyway, next topic, but still, still kind of uh, within the scope of revealing cards. Um, what's your take on CDPR changing cards that have already been revealed because it's been a major source of confusion because sometimes they reveal a card it appears on the website and the one that we've seen on Twitter or Twitch or YouTube 
has a different ability than the one that is on the website? Um, there's probably only three answers to this. One is it's still in development from when they you know, hand out the reveals to when they upload it. So that's been changed. One is that they're, they're looking at feedback and then changing it, which is probably a bad idea. And then the other one is they're so rushed that they're still sort of developing it and testing it. And, and so it's like a frantic crunch to get all these cards out and update them. And, you know, apart from like the honest mistake, maybe, but I feel like there's been so many changes that it's one of those three. You know, it's a long time since they gave the reveal. It's still massively in development or... Um, they're listening to feedback. Yeah, I don't know which like, one is. like Ryan also mentioned that they have like a couple of um, options, right? And they are still testing it, basically. So probably, yeah, the the tests would be the the answer here, right? Yeah, still I think testing, I think experimenting. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think one way they tried to explain it was that their test server is somehow linked to the website, so that it, whenever they test something. Hmm. Uh, it automatically updates the website to that version. Really? Yeah, because uh, Amnesty was one of those cards that got changed like two or three times. And 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 Slama said on his own stream that the reason is we we keep testing that card, right? Like when when it was uh, five provisions, we thought uh, it feels a little bit too strong, so we bumped the provisions to six, then it felt too weak, we changed the ability a little bit, then we you know went back to that ability, and, and whenever we do that, the card on the website is going to change. That's cool, I didn't know that. But that is creating a lot of confusion. <laughs> I mean, we'll get over it, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we can do anything about that, and... Uh, <laughs> but I do remember when when they when they uh you know amnesty and everyone was like oh this is oh this is op this is op you know and then two hours later it was already there and people were like rip amnesty 2020 <laughs> I mean, it's still a good card right yeah I, th yeah. I, th I think it is going to be six provisions yeah, eight 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 four six plus a very powerful ability I hate it yeah. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I think a lot of Swears might, might, might be caught in a lot of decks. Because why would you play Swears if you can play Amnesty? Yeah. Well, you can play both. And be really disgusting. Yeah, yeah, you can play both, but uh, realistically, how often do you see Swears breaking? Of course, now you have Spy, so now you are going to steal at least one point. I don't see Swears yeah. breaking that much. Uh, I, in my experience, he bricks quite a lot. Oh. That depends, I guess. Yeah, maybe. But there's there's <laughs> a lot of good targets anyway, like, you know, Berserker and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, we actually talked a, bit, a little bit about art already, and you said the art is always fantastic. But I think, I honestly think that um, this time around, it's it's even better than before. So I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, has um, Have they ever... Disappointing us when it comes to art. Have you ever felt like, oh, this is not what we expect from CDPR? Um, I don't know about you, Hester. You got anything? Well, I I would say that there were maybe just a couple of cards 
that were sort of disappointing because they like you know we we are used to a really high level right now of creating artwork and if something like a slightly weaker appears then you're thinking oh what's what's going on with them it's like they you know they were creating so so great hard work and now they give us something like this it's still great right but it's a bit a bit worse <clears throat> so maybe i would say like from this expansion i would find only one card that is slightly weaker and yeah weisenberg is hovering his mouse over over this card i would say that this one is slightly weaker than the other ones but all in all it's really good. I suppose. I mean, in terms of cards, there's only a couple of cards that I... Obviously, Eredin and Dagon and all these ones are way better than yeah. some bronze about poison, you know? Where the guy slumped on the table or whatever that one is. That's like... It works. It tells a, a story. That's what I like about the art, that usually they try and convey a story in the artwork. Uh, obviously, the bronzes are going to be a lot worse than the, the leaders. There's only a couple in the whole time that I can remember that I physically don't like the look of. Is physically the right word? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is the drowner. I think the drowner's weird looking. <laughs> yeah. And the old neckers, uh, they had like a really gritty sort of look uh, that were, was a bit weird to the rest of the game. Um, I think generally... I think that was one artist that did both of these. Um, and he has a certain style, which is a bit odd. Um, and they're the only ones that I can think that weren't very pleasing. I mean, I was a little upset that they went for the battlefield when they went to homecoming. You know, they make the cards look like cards, but then they make the board look like a battlefield. And it, <laughs> yeah. I would have preferred them to make the board look like a tavern because then it fits with the cards being cards. But... That was disappointing for me. But other than that, I mean, other than everything I've said, <laughs> being perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that statement. Yeah. But, you know, the style of this expansion is a bit different, I would say. As this time we are seeing a lot of really dark and, and grim cards and this sort of style. Do, do you agree? Oh, like, yeah. Is this different? Oh, yeah. From the previous expansions? KBT? Um, yeah, I, I automatically hate the on L now immediately. <laughs> like I've had, like, there's loads of horrible people in the witchy universe, like even like Cypher and Wiley, but I've never hated anyone as much as these on L with all this unicorn hunting. They did a very good job of portraying <laughs> yeah. an emotion through those cards. <laughs> so. Yeah. I would, I would like to highlight the fact how freaking strong Auburn has to be. <laughs> Because really, holding a severed unicorn head in an extended arm, that requires some serious strength. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the, I, think, I think the Chinese censorship office is going to have a field day with this expansion. Well, I'll, I'll report when, <laughs> when it drops, I suppose. <laughs> I don't foresee me getting out of China <laughs> by that point. Yeah, As I said, you might take classes from, from Hesser. Yeah, I just that's it. I've got to learn Chinese now. <laughs> A lot of spoons appearing on artwork, probably, oh. instead of... I wish swords. they'd have gone full-on spoons as like an in-joke in China. If you don't know, uh, Vernon Roach, Roach Merciless, 
Uh, instead of a sword, he's got a spoon in the Chinese version. Yeah. It's amazing. Someone called him Vernon, eat your breakfast, too uh, <laughs> merciless, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, they, they should do it. They should just go full memes on the cards that, that have to be changed. I personally think the Chinese version, that some of the artwork is amazing, like some of the changes they did. Some of them is like necessary, but some of them are so lazy. I feel like they, they just need to do it. They're not putting a lot of effort into it. I don't know how good the Chinese market is for Gwent. Maybe it doesn't matter. They just, I feel like half the time they just do the minimal to get it out. They don't, you know, put a lot of work into it. Yeah. I think a lot of Chinese players are actually using um, VPN to not play. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they play the international version, mostly. That's illegal! Yeah, <laughs> Why yeah. should I have to use the Chinese version? I mean, I mean, Hesser, you did li uh, live in China, right? And you also yeah. played on the international... Yeah, yeah, no problem with that. I, I just played through the VPN, and I still have, in the pro letter, I still have the Hong Kong flag near my name, so... <laughs> Yeah, imagine that, KBT. Imagine ever qualifying to a tournament and then instead of being British, <laughs> being actually yeah, representing China, that that would be something. <laughs> Oof. Um, guys, but there's one topic that I think everyone kind of misses out on. Like, every, no, nobody's really talking about that because we are so excited about the expansion, about the art, about the new abilities, the archetypes, and whatnot. The journey. Like, we are like nine nine percent sure. And from what I've heard, it's actually 100% sure. Getting a new journey, this expansion. And nobody's I think it's doing good for them. And nobody's talking about that. So uh, maybe maybe we could talk about your ideas of what the next journey could be. i got some solid ideas. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, so my thought process is you would want to go for something cool like Gauntro Dim because it's based on his expansion. But we've already got the... Uh, the leader model for him so i think you have to look at what leader model could the journey be about and so you're going to pick like a you don't want a main like a monster only sort of one or anything so i reckon it's just going to be dandelion yennefer or triss and to be honest i don't think triss sorry guys um i think yennefer is more important uh, and i think if you had to customize any sort of character i think people would love to have dandelion um, you can make it even an evolving one. So on round one, he's there strumming his lute. Round two, he's strumming his lute and he's got like a, a woman next to him. And on round three, he's, he's got two women next to him, you know, an evolving leader if he wanted to. Or, or make the women equipable. I don't know if that's... <laughs> uh, that might offend some people. But, you know, instead of having like a little plushie, equip the, the woman onto Dandelion. So I think Dandelion is an easy choice uh, for them, to be honest. Yeah, that is a fair, fair point, Hesser. Yeah, um, well, it's actually quite difficult, right? Because uh, we were discussing that before and introducing, for example, some faction models and some faction journey would be great. But on the other hand, you're like distancing the other factions for a while and uh, you're giving only the, you know, the models for, let's say, Nilfgaard and Scoia'tael. And then later on with the new expansion or the new journey, you're giving them the next one. But I was thinking that, and actually Chad also mentioned this here, like maybe Olgerd and, and Iris, for instance, that would be a cool, a cool couple here to use in the journey. That'd be something people would love to see, I think. It'd be nice if they tied it to the expansion, but... Yeah. We've already got Gaunter, so... Yeah. 
But yeah, we, we, we've got Gaunter, but there's quite a few characters that were somehow bound to Gaunter or Dim. Like yeah. Olgird, Iris, um, Vladimir, of course. And they're all neutrals. I'd love Vladimir, that'd be great. Oh yeah, Vladimir. Vladimir's got the best manners. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Vladimir or da on Dandelion, that would be that would be a safe bet. Uh, you you said that you know Yennefer or Triss, and you, you said that Yennefer is more important, which lore wise it is so. And I know Tim <laughs> Triss has left the chat, uh, but Slama actually said that they're not gonna do that because they what? don't. They're not gonna do that because they don't want to um, offend Tim Triss. So, um, oh, right. they, they have this idea of maybe introducing both of them at the same time. Like, doing some, doing some sort of journey of the magic, where you have a couple of sorceresses and mages <laughs> in, in a bundle. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I, thought, I, th <laughs> I thought I was saying, I've got a solid idea of what they're going to do, and then you said, they're not doing that, you know? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was asked on his stream, and he said, nope. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, I think we are we are all kinda missing out on Siri. Yes. Yeah, she's 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 neutral. I mean, of course, you yeah. have the you know the Siri the Empress ending, and it's it's something that basically every Novgorod main ex expects at some point to happen. Um, call me weird if you want, but I don't find her that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> she's just kind of like Geralt. That's it. You know, she hasn't got any sort of interestingness. I don't know. You can counter that if you want. No, I'm I'm, not, I'm actually not gonna counter that because <laughs> it, I, like obviously you know the character, the model in in The Witcher Three is is amazing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like she's absolutely beautiful, but her story, I don't know. Like I remember reading reading the books, and I discussed that in in another um, stream this week, and. Uh, Everyone was like, I did not enjoy reading about Siri. Everyone, everyone just wanted to see more Geralt and Dandelion and Regis and what, what, what they were up to, and not reading mm. about the miserable stories of Siri being beaten or almost getting raped every single chapter. <laughs> so, um, um, wow. so, yeah, I, th I think that in a way, yeah, she is neutral. She could fit every single faction, but on That's the true. other hand, there are safer choices like Dandelion. Mm. Yeah, I think he's got more customization options. But I, but I don't think they're they're gonna give us the opportunity to you know equip women. <laughs> that is not going <laughs> yeah. to happen, especially especially in the in, in the light of in the Chinese events. version. <laughs> yeah, well, then what, what would the Chinese version be? Um. Yeah, KBT, you're the specialist. Uh, if I had to change spoons, giant spoons, <laughs> done. I don't know. Giant spoons. <laughs> Just spooning the ladies, right? So. Spooning. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, moving on, because oh, no. we are, we are, we, we are uh, slowly getting to unsafe waters, I would say. All <laughs> oh, right. I mean, I've got something else to say about the journey. We've got anything else to say about the journey? Is there any more questions about the journey? Yeah, we actually or? have one more, and that is, what would you change in regards to the journey? Oh. Because it was the, it was the first time they did that. Obviously, it was a huge success, especially financially. Um, I think mm. it it um, really gave them more means to develop the game now. But there there were some problems, and and, and then it's the question: What if you were in charge? What would you change? 
Um, I, I can't say it's a good business decision, <laughs> but I know what I would like. And that is when you get to like level 25, 50, 75, 100, uh, you could unlock like some sort of puzzle mm. or, you know, like the old midwinter hunt scenario puzzles that we used to have. Yeah. New players probably wouldn't realize that. Imagine like Hearthstone's single player puzzle matches, something like that, you know, where you've got, you've got to be a hundred strength in 50 provisions. Okay. And then there's a puzzle involved on how you would do that. I'd love to have those unlock at 25, 50, 75. So it's like a little single player thing that you can do. I don't think they're doing that though, because they didn't turn out very well. I think the time it took to make them wasn't comparative with the value. Yeah, I think they, yeah. they openly said that. But one of the mm. reasons why they don't think they will be developing another Thronebreaker. Yeah. It was just yeah. not I mean, worth it. I mean, people probably... I mean, you are spending money for the journey, so you could say there's the value. But I think people will buy the journey anyway. Yeah. You don't have to create whole new game modes. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. If You know, employ me. Come on. I love to do that sort of stuff. I think first they need to reply to your uh, client request. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not. I'm probably a pain in the backside for them, honestly. Uh, I am as well. I've I screwed am, up my client. I yeah, am as guys. well. If you if you only knew how often I approach them regarding the podcast or regarding something that I need to know, I I honestly believe by now they they hate me. Mm. Every single employee. Oh really? <laughs> Do you, I, I have no I, I I lost count, but we had to send send countless messages to Pavo, Mateusz, Alicia, uh, Austria regarding Slama. Because at some point we wanted to have Jason on the show, and it was just okay. It's this time of the month again. Let's let's spam all of them and ask how 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 uh, we are doing that department. Is is it happening? Is it not happening? Well, to be fair, you're doing them a favor, so. They can reply to you. You know what I mean? This is helping their business, hopefully. Um, yeah, in, in, I, I hope so. I hope that it promotes the game in a way. Hmm. But, you know, then again, mergers of negativity. We, we, often, <laughs> criti we, we, we often criticize their, their decisions. So uh, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a question, I would say. But yeah, regarding the journey and, and what we will change, uh, one thing that I would personally change is I would give something to those who completed the journey earlier. Because you still have to do the quests, right? To like, read about the story. But you don't really get right. anything in return anymore because you complete the journey, you are level 100, you're not getting any more rewards, and you still have to do all those annoying quests or maybe just change the quests. Change okay, yeah. yeah. Add that in. Change the style of the quest. Make it more... I don't know. That's the, it's the nature of people, though, isn't it? If you make them more fun, they'll just rush through that faster. <laughs> it's just, I find it difficult. I don't know how you could do it. Yeah, in a way, you are right. Oh. Regardless of what they would implement, people would just you know, add all these cards in the deck that kind of help you finish the quest. Yeah. Through it. So you can't make any fun objectives or because then people will just like, I don't know. Yeah. Every time a new quest comes out, it's 
24 hours of people just spamming artifacts, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the, the sad story is if, if those quests are not working as intended. Yeah, for example, the <laughs> one that I described, or the one with Armbor was like that as well. Um, because I was playing Seasonal at the time, and I was giving uh, Squirtel a try, so I was playing Gord. And, you know, if you're playing Gord, Mahakam Forge, you have a lot of Armbor cards. You have Tempering. And you, you are spamming constantly, so I was like, okay, easy. I'm gonna play Tempering, I'm gonna play um, the Miner, and that's already a lot of Armor. And nothing of it counts. Not a single of these cards. It has to have armor on it straight away. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, the quest said add armor to a card. Or tempering adds armor, minor adds armor, and mm. they didn't count. <laughs> well, that was sad. Yeah, it sucks yeah. to be you, I mean. Oh dear. Well, maybe they could just like, for example, bind uh, the seasonal trees somehow to the journey as well to you know explore, make people explore some lore as well, instead of just spending keys and and getting like short, you know, um, part of text, short paragraph about the lore of a of a character. Like for example, we had some quests when you had to play down the lion cards, right? So why not adding some additional, I don't know, maybe some art at least, or maybe some piece of lore about it. Something like this. That would make it a bit more interesting, I guess. Oh yeah, mm. that that would be nice. They what they could do is um I and I remember they only did that once, not not in regards to Gwent. Do you guys remember um the the flashbacks of The Witcher Two? They could do um, those, like a short video. Like if you unlock a certain, like if you get to a certain point, if you unlock a certain reward. They, oh yeah, they, they could do that. Oh yeah. No. Because they yeah, also I mean, did that for The Witcher 2, actually. Like, like, not only the flashbacks in The Witcher 2, they did a whole series of them before The Witcher 2 to sum up the story of The Witcher 1. And I, would I, and I wouldn't know about that until um, somebody very recently told me, oh, if you want to learn more about the Salamandra cards and, and the Flaming Rose, CDPR actually made a video about that for The Witcher 2, you know, like seven, eight years ago. So they, they could do something like that. Give us something more. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, I think we have one more question in this segment. Yeah, like uh, we were talking about the activity of the CDPR employees and them being more, we were discussing that before, that they are getting more active and active in the social media. And actually we have a lot of tweets, for example, um, coming out from them. Like even today we got the statistics about the um, DEX effectiveness. So this is actually a pretty good thing, I would say. What do you say? Uh, how do you feel about them being uh, more open in, in, you know, with sharing the information? I have noticed it. I don't really use Twitter very much. <laughs> it's, um, it seems like just a big self-promotion thing. Uh, but... I mean, if they're, if they're advertising and they're doing unique and interesting stuff, then I don't see why that should be bad. Uh, if, it's, if, it's implement, if, it's, if it's encroaching onto their personal lives and it's like a part of their job, then that would be bad. But I don't see... I mean, more information, it's, it's like an easy marketing tool, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. And Gwent needs more marketing. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, I, that's I why this it... review campaign is so important, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with the statistics, for example, 
they just wanted to prove some points, right? Because people were blaming them that, for example, monsters are not playable or the double ball is, for example, like super toxic and OP. But judging from that statistic, right, it's it's not like that. It's not like that. What I really like about these stats is how they segregate them well, per rank. Because people always yeah. are like... Yeah, but these stats, they, they, you know, they include all the ranks, so yeah, somebody's playing something rank 25 doesn't mean anything. So now you have the tiers, and it's clearly explained what is being played where. Yeah, I mean, can you account for weird outliers? Like, Ocean Mode only playing monsters. <laughs> <laughs> monsters are playable. Well, you know, 75% of that monster pool is Ocean. So. <laughs> you know? Um, but I mean... People will look at that and probably either agree with it or disagree with it, even though it might be true. Like, it just reminds me of Rethas. When people said, you know, we don't like this or this is happening, and, and Rethas, if you remember him, I do. was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> look at this. <laughs> and then he got scapegoated. So um, I think it's a very good... I like statistics like that. It's nice to see, because then you can kind of adapt your playstyle in certain ranks, you know? Um, when you get to high rank, you say, All right, I'm going to fight this a lot because it's played a lot. So I can tech my deck against that a bit more. Um, so that's really good. I think statistics are really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. I except they are not very recent. Um, oh, are they not? Yeah, the, the, the last season. The, um, it's, no, it's not even the previous season. The last batch that we got, it was the season of the Elf, no, Baron Viper, I think. Yeah. So it was yeah. from the time when they um, added the new leaders. So um, the season of the bear was the last season uh, before the leaders, and season of the viper was the first season after the leaders. So it was like three, four months ago, I think. It was in March. So do you, so do you yeah. think um, because an entire like season of the viper, if you're saying stuff like monsters are playable, do you don't you don't suppose that the statistics don't reflect that because people play, let's say for example. Nilfgaard, get to the top of the ladder and then just mess about with any other faction they want. You know? Yeah. That yeah. happens as well. There, there is a period in Gwent where people just start... Well, there's a new upcoming thing, so no one's playing seriously anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that reflects in the numbers. It's. I think it is going to reflect in uh, this season's numbers. In this season, definitely. <laughs> okay. And also, why, why, why this season? Uh, I mean, that's obviously subjective, but I think what I've been hearing and what I've been seeing a lot is people just messing around with everything. Okay, so I mean, I also want to know how much will journey decks affect? Like, that, that every journey one. deck I play mm -hmm. is Amir, because he can pick up a card and replay it to increase the amount of cards I play. You <laughs> know, if I'm looking for locks, Amir can play it again. So Nilfgaard is my journey deck. Uh, are you gonna and... play it on ranked or are you gonna play it in casual? Is this only ranked really? It is only ranked. Yeah, it's yeah. only ranked. Right. Okay. And it's divided by tiers. So you have like um thirty to twenty five, twenty five to twenty, mm. and then like seven to one, I think, and then pro. So uh Well, you can just ignore me then because that was a rubbish bad analysis. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No one's playing these in ranked. But speaking of ranked, um I think it's a good moment to start talking about the competitive Gwent. Because 
I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but we are a week away from uh, Gwent Open number two. Mm. And um, I'm, I'm personally very excited, but also very sad because I'm not sure if you heard. Um, Flake is not gonna be there. Did you did you hear about what happened? I recently read up on it. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, that's really um, really sad. You wanna? Yeah, I think I think I think in? we should ec explain what's going on. So, uh, Flake is one of the official tournament casters, and recently he was not feeling well. Uh, I think in in one of his tweets he he explained that he. He was not feeling his legs at all, so he felt like semi-paralyzed. He was hospitalized and apparently it is some sort of spinal disease and he will remain in hospital for the next couple of months. It is treatable, it's not gonna be easy, it's gonna take a lot of time and effort. Um, but yeah, it is a sad story because Flake is just such a wholesome guy, everyone likes him. I talked to him a couple of times, like really an amazing dude. He's perfect. He, Annoyingly perfect. He kinda is, every right? Way. It kind of yeah. is. Uh, well, you know, thoughts go to him. Um, I'm glad that we've got some silver lining on it, that it is treatable. Um, you know. But still, uh, sad, sad to hear, nonetheless. Yeah. And it creates and some problem for, for, for CDPR as, as well, as, as, as I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can send your love to him at, at Watchflake, is that right? On Twitter? Yeah, yeah. yeah so if yeah. you want to say, you know, good work. I don't think sure. he's going to be allowed on Twitter these days. What's that? Well, he's he he's doing treatment right now, so I'm not sure how how much time he's going to spend online to read well, the tweets. Fair enough. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure it'd be nice for him to see them when he. Gets oh yeah. Back. So yeah, guys, if you if you if you do have a spare moment, mm, go yeah. over to his Twitter, watch Flake, and uh, send him Probably something nice. Try to lift his spirits. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Flake and the tournament. That's right. He's not going to be there. So now the question arises, who's going to cover for him during Open? Who's going to cast? You say we've got about a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. So either they're not going to have anyone else join him and they'll just shift around the other three. Or they probably would have already spoken to someone to do that and cover and the funny story is we actually already know that. Oh, because, yeah, because yesterday I didn't know that when we were, you know, prepping the questions, it was like we had certain ideas of who that could be. And, and then uh, today um, we got a confirmation. Is that, it Shin Mary? Uh, according to the unofficial sources, it is. I can talk about the official sources. He's... he's... Oh, go on then. He's, uh, <laughs> he's the obvious choice, in my opinion. Absolutely. He's a great caster and talker. And he's stuff. a great guy, too. Yeah. Not as um, entertaining or... Like, <laughs> he, he, do he doesn't have, you know, that... Uh, that style that Flake has. But he's still a great analyst. So I think that if you want to learn something during the tournament, then, then having Shimiri there is definitely something for you. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that great. Was, that's cool. That was a pretty obvious choice, you could say, right? Because he mm. he already he's been participating, right, in in Challenger and some Opens. Yeah. So it was either him or Green Cricket. Uh, or... and I and I can tell you that Green Cricket is not available in that time. All right. Yeah. I actually I actually talked to him um not too long ago, and um, he's busy that weekend. 
So um, their choice was rather limited, unless they would like <laughs> to bring something, somebody back from from mm, yeah. the old times. But then again, you know, if somebody hasn't been playing Gwen for months, then it would be rather difficult to oh, have yeah. Mogwai casting again, for instance. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But one question I want to ask about about this tournament is: Are you satisfied with the format? Because we know for sure that this tournament will also be held online. Right, right. It, it it is going to use the remote format that we we saw during Open One. Are are you okay with that? You think do you think um that um they could improve here and there? What what's your take on 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 this setting? Um, right. Generally has to be done anyway. But I thought the last tournament was great. Um, there were some periods where, you know, they had to keep talking because there were technical issues. Um, as I understand it, the players have to deal with the red red coin, blue coin thing, don't they? They have to do it themselves. They get like a specialized client or something, do they? Yeah, I'm actually not sure. Hasar, can I you... Think that's what I heard. Well, I know, but I can't really talk about it, to be oh. honest. <laughs> oh. well, it's, okay, let's say it's not your department. Yeah, it's not my department, actually. Um, but I, the cast, this is a great job of uh, waffling on, you know, so... You know, when, when they needed to fill space. Maybe they should plan for something like that. Uh, like, have a segment on Twitter or on questions or on uh, discussing something about the expansions that would be so close. Or have a reveal or two ready for if something goes wrong, you can, like, fill the dead air with that. That'll keep people interested. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's yeah. one of their um, greatest worries that, you know, we would have another session... Of, of nine hours of quarterfinals because uh, of technical issues or games dragging for for too long, but what 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 I thought about um, initially about this the setting was it's not really gonna have the same feeling we know from tournaments that are held at the studio, and I was so mistaken. I really enjoyed it. I I, I you know having my beard and and flake and and, and Jaggers and panda casting and. It still felt very natural. It still felt like the tournament was being held at the studio. One thing that was missing, and I actually asked Ryan about that um, during the previous episode, was if they consider having somebody at the studio to do some sort of hosting. Like, you know, a small camera crew and then, for example, Pavel um, talking a little bit about uh, what's to come and what's between the games and how the process looks like. So, And, mm. and Ryan said, oh, they, they will think about it. It's, it's something to think about, at least. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then, so what's your what's your what's your take on, on on this format? Well, I mean, you can feel that it's it's problematic for them. They are not familiar with organizing this sort of stuff, right? Even for example, the qualifiers uh, for the tournament are organized by uh, by Claimer or like with the support Claimer with the support of CDPR. So uh, they're still working on that. There's a lot to change. I think like they could implement more like you know entertainment, just like the trivia and I don't know maybe some some additional videos or or even like uh, Chad is saying here some dandelion playing a few tunes. That we actually yeah that would be something yeah. Great so ideas yeah but yeah. Then, but but then again you know it would just add more time to the tournament. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Are you ready? And that's also a question for chat. Are you guys ready for another nine hours of quarterfinals? 
I didn't watch a full nine hours. <laughs> yeah. I did. Like, yeah. all, I, I watched around nine hours because it was actually nine hours and 40 something minutes. I, I, um, I watched until midnight or slightly after that. I think they should use these cool ideas for when something goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, it feels a shame if nothing goes wrong <laughs> and you lose all this stuff, but then maybe they can do something else with it. You know, any reveals or something put at the end, uh, dandelion singing. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that's something they can once again think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the most important pa- part of the tournament is actually the gameplay. And with that being said, guys, do you have your favorites when it comes to the lineup? Because I, I assume that you know most of the participants. And and the question uh, is, uh, who are you going to root for? Uh, so, usually, I, I root for the, the same person every time. I don't know if he's in it this one. Uh, my name, I forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> nice analysis, KBT. Yeah. Um, it's... it's Returning players that never actually ever seem to win, you know, the end. Um, I, yeah, I, I seem to root for people. That's the one, actually. Coleman, that's the one. <laughs> I always root for him because he seems to always, he's like so committed. Yeah. And then he always seems to get stumped towards the end. Uh, he hasn't won a, a challenger yet, has he? I don't think. Nope, nope. So that's, you know. But, you know, whoever takes your fancy, I think it kind of based on... When you watch them and you look at what plays, some people might win via RNG, you know, a little bit. And so people might think, ah, I didn't really want him to win because he doesn't, he's not earning it. Where if someone does a really cool sort of like guess about what the opponent's got and he plays out and he wins, you know, and he does some good skill, then people tend to like that guy. So it really comes down to, for me, when I watch and who I see is making smart decisions. Yeah. Oh yeah, makes sense. And and uh, sir, I think it's gonna be difficult for you to talk about that because, well, you are yeah. working with some of the participants. <laughs> exactly, I'm kind of biased because I want them to, you know, to move to the next round. So I'm obviously like kind of rooting for Wang ID and the Russian boys. But apart from them, I I feel like my heart is going towards Red Rain because he's f- first time participating in the tournament. Uh, he's a cool guy. People know him as well. Yeah, he's, and... he's a name I've heard of. Yeah. Yeah, um, Red Rain was for a long time, like, other than being a competitive player, he was also known for that chair accident during the Wild Hunt. <laughs> exactly. Where he was leaning back and the chair broke. Hmm. And obviously, I'm also rooting for Red Rain because he is, he used to be my teammate. Like When, when Team Rankstar was still a thing, we we were both part of it, uh, so, and I know him as a, as a very cool guy. And once again, this is his first tournament. Like the last challenger, for instance, I will, after Freddy um, uh, uh, was was um, like, how do I say? After he didn't make it the next round, let's say, um, <laughs> I was I was ready for Magpie because that was his first tournament as well. And oh, you so know, you're the, an underdog. Yeah, the the underdog story is always nice. Yeah. Even though Red Rain is kind of an underdog, but on the other hand, he's very well known within the competitive community. <laughs> he was always very, very close. I think, you know, the, a couple of qualifiers before the one where he actually got to 
to um to qualify for for open like, he was always so close like the last game uh, almost didn't make it maybe next time and it's it's a good story that you know you can you can just keep pushing and, and at some point you are gonna make it um so do we have any more questions about the tournament guys because it's it's hard to talk about it before it takes place right i think it's yeah. gonna be easier you know during the next episode when we know the results and we know the place and we know the decks Mm. Yeah. Uh, this is apparently three days before the expansion, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So we're expecting the decks to be kind of similar to what we saw in the last open. Is that correct? Oh, you yeah, mean you mean true. there's gonna be double ball and there's gonna be shoop? Yeah, I imagine things will be generally similar. Yeah, probably. That's not a question. <laughs> well, <laughs> there was no question there. Just... <laughs> yeah, you just you just state a fact. At yeah. least it's going to be easier for them to prepare some fillers, right? So they can always reveal something new and... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because be they, they, they are going to reveal some cards. They already said that. Yeah. yeah. The last um, two cards, each faction, are going to be revealed during tournament. And a lot of people are speculating it's actually going to be a card and a token. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> they want to reveal like one of the cool ones, not a token. Yeah. I don't know because, uh, for for example, if you look at the trailer, um, and I think that what this speculation is based on, like you see Amir and you see two cards essentially. You see him as Duny and you see him as the um, urchin of Erlenwald. So people think maybe one is gonna be a token, or it's just gonna be an animation like like Saltkirk that that also changes. So uh, there are some questions about that. Hmm. Um. They could, I mean, since it's three days before the expansion, maybe if they do have filler, they could do something about the new expansion, like and play a game in the new expansion or oh, that would be show so some cool. more footage. Oh, yeah. With a that new would be really nice. Yeah, something. I agree. I, I agree with that. Like, do you guys remember when, when Gwen was coming to iOS and they actually had a game, the mm. match between Pumpkin yeah. and Radu during the tournament? Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, it's doable, I think. I think we have one more thing to talk about. Yeah, when it comes yeah. To let's, let's let's talk about money now. So, surprisingly, uh, the uh, the price the price pool before in the the previous tournament got slightly bigger uh, with the support from the players, right? So, what are our expectations regarding the price pool this time? What do you think, guys? Is it going to be better? No, I don't think so. KBT? Uh, I agree. No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> And simply because not not because people are less generous, but simply because there is less time. Yeah, and, and they people, spent some already. On yeah, the expansion. and and, and people <laughs> might be less generous because of the expansion and 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 uh, the journey, of course. Yeah. So they they might feel like I'm not gonna buy this bundle because I already uh, bought the journey pass and I I bought the expansion bundle. Mm. It kind of sucks the for the participants. Was expensive. <laughs> Yeah, the expansion bundle is like what fifty euros, I think. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty. It's expensive. expensive. They did get some some criticism regarding mm. that. A lot of people, but then again, Reddit being Reddit, um, <laughs> a lot of people were not entirely happy about the pricing. Yeah. But you know, um, talking about Reddit and talking about the community, uh, I think we can we can safely move to the last segment of the podcast, which is. A personal Q&A, so KBT, get ready, because now <laughs> you are going to get under the fire of questions. And the first question is actually fairly easy. 
Yeah. So yeah. it is about your origins because um, I remember the legend being legend. that that you modded the Witcher Three Gwent and you played it with friends on Twitch. Is that true? Uh, no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. So, yeah, my origins. So. I consider myself to be one of the very first people to to play The Witcher 3 Gwent competitively. Um, basically, my friend, known as Gareth, uh, he played the game, this game called The Witcher 3, and he called me up and said, there's a really cool card game in it, come over and play it. So I, I went over to his house and I played it, and it was pretty good. So uh, I hadn't played The Witcher 3, and I wouldn't do for another like two years, so... It's really sort of interesting in that I didn't know any characters from The Witcher 3 or any Witcher game. And I knew the characters from Gwent, and then when I played The Witcher 3, I would notice them in the game rather than the other way around. But I printed off all The Witcher 3 cards, um, and then I, I printed another set off from my, my friend, and then I cut them all out, laminated them, and then we played The Witcher 3 together with physical cards, and I used to record them. Uh, on my YouTube channel. So there's some real Gwent matches. I put a lot of effort into those. They're, they're pretty decent, I think. But uh, that's my first origin and my first foray into the, the Witcher 3 Gwent. I did mod the Witcher 3 Gwent, but that was just modded so I can press the button and play Gwent. I used <laughs> to stream it, just play Gwent, play Gwent, play Gwent. Um, but I didn't mod so I could play Witcher 3 Gwent competitively on the actual Witcher 3. Because I think that'd be really tough to do, wouldn't it? I guess Modern. so. But there is some truth to the legend. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> a mean, little bit. I print. I, I did mod. I did mod The Witcher Three, and I printed the cards out to play competitively and recorded that. Uh, and that's when, like, CD Projekt Red took notice, obviously, because I was. I didn't know at the time that they were bringing out a standalone. They revealed it at E3, and I was just happening to create loads of Gwent matches online. So I love that era. That era was amazing, um, <laughs> where you, you they're revealing like Gwen the Witcher card game at E3, and you're zooming into massive pictures, and you're zooming into like five pixels and saying, "Whoa, what is that? Is that a foglet?" You know, and, <laughs> and you're just trying to assume what its ability is. There's loads of I made used to make videos on like, like I say, six pixels, and I used to come up with a whole archetype theory crafting everything about it you know uh, it was good stuff i enjoyed that um that's where my origin came from Just, and yeah and um yeah. actually and i and i and i didn't tell you that uh before a podcast you are one of the three content creators that got me to play gwent because i despised gwent in the witcher 3 and initially i was like i'm not gonna play it I just want to hear about the story. I want to. I want to do quest. Like, screw Gwent. I, I'm not gonna bother with that. And then you know, uh, at some point, somebody told me, told me, um, there's actually standalone. And I was like, okay, let's learn about that. So I, I, I went to YouTube and I was looking for content creators. And the first, like, the, the three biggest content creators at the time were KBT, uh, Macbeard, and Merchant. All right. And you guys yeah. got me into Gwent. I mean, thanks, man. Uh, I think apparently I got quite a few people into Gwent. They keep telling me that I, I got them into it and they used to watch my videos and stuff. Um, it was really nice. I used to create videos on any old shit, really. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you know, oh my God, here's, here's a cool card. What's it going to do? Because I didn't know any characters either. 
So this was just a cool, and one of the issues was pronouncing half the stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think it's yeah. still the issue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I uh, I don't bother with it now. I just say what I want. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, thank you for that. That's very nice of you. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I could reveal it. I I remember I I told um. Might be the same thing when he was here, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool as well." So, <laughs> like, the, one of the reason reasons I really wanted you to be on the show, like, I just wanted to tell you that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, okay. Embarrassing. Before we get into the Kappa Pride, uh, the little Kappa Pride moments, yeah, <laughs> Kappa Pride territory. Uh, let's let's move on, Hesser. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our little birds told us also that you are one of the very few people who played the Witcher adventure game. So oh yeah, tell us about that experience. Um, right. So I went through all the Witcher games, and there's a game called the Witcher Adventure Game. It's a board game, but it's on Steam. It's it's kind of cool. Uh, I was playing on my own because no friends, and it's oh wow. What is it? It's a, it's a generic board game with a Witcher skin, I think. Um, I th one of the characters, you get to play Zoltan or Triss or Geralt, Yarpen, I think. not Zoltan. Y oh, well, there you go. Yarpen. I can't remember. Uh, sorry, dwarfs. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> They're all similar. I really don't have much to say. You just walk around the board and you collect contracts or something. And they all have a certain win condition. But I found it particularly easy. Uh, playing against AI. Um, it's okay for a bit of fun. I don't think it's for the family. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, it's from like Witcher 1 or 2 style, I think. Yeah, it's it's mostly the Witcher 2, I think. Mm. Because it came out between the Witcher 2 and the Witcher 3. Yeah. And what I didn't play the game, but I did watch some videos. And one thing that I did like was. How many spoilers from The Witcher Three in terms of art and, and 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 soundtrack were included in the adventure game? Because you play that game yeah. and you hear like, oh, this is this is from The, the Witcher Three. No, that's from The Witcher Three. Yeah, like, I saw that all in the videos. It's been a long time since I played it. As far as I can remember, you can you can kind of when you start losing, you start losing, and when you start winning, you start winning. I know that's a nice analysis, but you know what I mean? It, it's like... Yeah, it's snowball you, When you win, yeah, you snowball either way, I feel. Um, so, it sometimes feels like that in Gwent as well. But only sometimes. Gwent's weird in like... Because there's loads of cool ideas I want to do with Gwent. You know, modding and stuff. But it's a weird thing because games always last 100% of the, the, their range, you know. You've, you haven't got like a secondary mana or anything, so there's a limited stuff you can do with it for creative purposes. I know that's completely off topic. Um, <laughs> the next question that's also kind of off topic is about what made you come back? Because you were not Oof. happy with Homecoming. At least that's the word on the street. Right. Yeah, you left a large pause there. What made you? <laughs> what made you? Hmm, parents, I think. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, I, I didn't like Homecoming. I think the main reason was I was um, 
they changed the game. They did a lot of kind of stuff like flattening the strength was kind of a bit annoying and they limited the rows and they, you know, it was very balanced. It was very slow. So there were a lot of things wrong with Homecoming. And I know that wasn't the question, but that'll help me go to the next point. What made me come back is that they've, I, I always looked at the Reddit while I was away. I was constantly checking up on Gwent while I was not playing it. Um, I left because I wasn't having fun, but I came back because they've added in a lot of cool stuff. And I always thought while I was away that they're going in the right direction. They brought in armor, which I think is a great mechanic to have back. It allows extra balancing and it allows some particular um, protection and strategy. They added in defenders, which I think is an amazing card. Um, I love defenders. Uh, they've added in a lot more cards, a whole new faction with the fee, and I really like that. So, like, just in in general, they fixed a lot of the things that were wrong with it. I still, I mean, whether I still like the the old beta version, it's difficult to say. It's been a long time, and my brain tells me that I did like it and that I should still like it, but I can't remember it now. Um, so yeah, they kind of went in the right direction with everything. I, if this journey thing was out in the beta version, I would have paid. I would have bought it easily, no problem. So everything they've done, I feel, has been a good thing for the game. And I came back because it just felt right to come back. And there's so many new cool mechanics to to play around with, and archetypes and stuff. So you know. Yeah, I think I think it's a very um, similar story for a lot of people. Because at some point, yeah. I also left Gwent for for a while. After Homecoming, I was like, nope, I'm not going to play this. And I got back after no the Novigrad expansion. After they added a new faction. And mm, that's, that's I did. I and, like, the first couple of months were amazing. It's just, just relearning the game because they changed so much. That was cool. Mm. So yeah, I can, yeah, I can somehow relate to your experiences there. And speaking of experience, um, you already said that the community has been great since you since you got back. Um, yeah, most have, people... you, have you tried to get in contact with the devs to kind of, you know, to get back to the point where where you are where you were when you left the game? No, I made some mistakes before I left the game. You know, um, controversy wise, I I, I do uh, feel bad about that. I do agree that. I made some mistakes. I think it tarnished my sort of uh, reputation with the devs. I th I kind of feel like I I should just come back for my own sake. I'm not coming back to try and worm my way back into casting, worm my way back into um, you know developers' ear and all that stuff and special treatment. I just do what I do, and if they want to pick me up again, they can. But that's yeah that's kind of it i haven't messaged pavel i've like liked his uh twitter posts and if there's something worth commenting i'll just comment casually but no i haven't really spoken to any devs uh particularly because i don't want to i don't want to try and you know do you know yeah i think i do yeah you do know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no i haven't really gone to devs i just you know, just come back and have fun. You know, if I make good stuff, then hopefully it'll be recognized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but speaking of that, actually, what do you think about the partners program, for example? Because you also, like, uh, haven't joined in. Right. Um, I have no idea what that is. 
<laughs> right. Um, apparently, I think the partner program came out when I wasn't here. Is that true? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as I understand it, you've got faction ambassadors, which are yeah. like the, the main big boys, right? And girls. Yeah. And then the partner program seems to be every other content creator. Is that right or not? Um, yeah, it was supposed to be more exclusive, I think. But <laughs> pretty in, much. In, in the end, uh, if you create content, you can, you can get it now. Okay, and what is the benefit of being in this non-exclusive? Yeah, group? that's actually <laughs> a, a bit of um, bit of a controversial topic because there is not a lot you're gonna get. Okay, so uh, from being a part. Of I it. haven't seen it advertised to me. Um, I don't know what the benefit of me trying to apply is, and I just kind of feel like, again, if I just create the YouTube stuff because I want to, you know. I do, yeah. I do everything. I create content that I want to create. And, you know, if they want to pick me up, they can pick me up. I haven't applied for it because I don't know what the point of applying for it is. Um, and that's actually a very good answer because a lot of people think, oh, I, I want to get in, right? It's, it's something of a goal to, to, to strive towards. And then they get in and they're like, um, so I don't get anything out of it. I've well, been... yeah, I mean, should you get anything out of it? I mean, you're creating the YouTube content I assume either because you enjoy doing it or you want to try and make money and a name for yourself. And they're the two probably goals you would do to make content. Either what you want to sort of get somewhere in terms of, you know, viewership or, or you do it because you enjoy it or maybe both. And the partnership program doesn't do anything, right? No, yeah. not really. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I haven't considered joining it. If they want to you know, join me into it and because they think what I do is good, then fair enough. I don't mind joining it. I'll be partner KBT again. No problems. <laughs> but speaking of creating content, um, I yeah. assume you are back for good. Uh, I can't say for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am playing Gwent on stream and making videos of it, you know, five days out of a week. It is my primary game. Currently, uh, I enjoy it. That's as much. I mean, I plan to stay around. I'm not going to leave shortly. No. So. So yeah. With that being said, I think it's a good moment to delve into the last mini segment of the podcast, which is shameless plugs. Because oh. um, you know, as we said in the beginning of the show, not everyone knows you, and uh, I think it'll be um, it will be nice for you to. To share with us where where people can find you, where can they enjoy your content, and what they can expect from your YouTube or your Twitch channel. Sure. Okay. Fine. Um, hello, everyone. I'm King Blacktooth, <laughs> and I, I'm here to represent myself. <laughs> I have a Twitch and YouTube with my two primary ways. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter if you want, but I don't really go on there and advertise or anything. On the Twitch, I play Gwent five days a week. And then some other things. Um, we enjoy it. I'm currently locked into the Chinese clients, so don't be surprised if all the cards are in Chinese. On YouTube, Gwent videos again. Uh, what you'll expect from then is usually deck guides um, when the new expansion comes out. For now, the recent uh, thing will be the censorship, the Chinese censorship videos. They'll be funny, really funny as hell. And also... Uh, I'm just reviewing the cards at the minute. 
I think that's good. I guess you can find that at youtube.com forward slash King Blacktooth and twitch.com forward slash King Blacktooth. Um, I think that's shameless enough. <laughs> uh, I, I think it is. Um, so I'm going to give um, the floor to Hesser to promote his own thing. <laughs> well, it's a much smaller thing, actually. And we are just playing casually. You can find me mainly at uh, Twitch uh, Hesser Tavern. So if you want to check out my channel, that would be great. We are playing mainly uh, during the working days in the morning. So if you want something to listen to, for example, uh, see some funny gameplay or play against me, we are mainly doing some viewer battles, uh, then this is the place to go. All right. And um, I'm not going to promote my own channel because you are already here. But I'm going to use this opportunity to uh, promote the podcast a little bit more. So once again, if you want to stay in touch off stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. And I'd like to remind you that this episode is going to be uploaded on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and a couple of small platforms either tonight or tomorrow. And with that being said, KBT, thanks for being here. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show, man. See, I wasn't so nervous towards the middle right <laughs> no, now, was I? No, I yeah, well, was after a few minutes, it, it started to go really smoothly. <laughs> and well, hopefully a... it was enjoyable. Oh, I did yeah. enjoy it a lot. But we got to talk about that in private. Hesser, once again, thanks for <laughs> joining in and, and co-hosting this episode. Um, so yeah, guys, once again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for chatting with us. Um... We are, the next episode is in two weeks, as always. So uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody.